While everybody is checking in, I want to introduce my guest this morning. His name is Jerome Wade. He's a CSP, which we, as we have talked about, a certified speaking professional. He is an inductee into the Global Speakers Hall of Fame, the Virtual Speakers Hall of Fame, and a best-selling author. Jerome is the CEO of Epic Global, a leadership and sales performance consultancy delivering innovative solutions to drive extraordinary results. And we are going to be talking this morning about not being, stop being overwhelmed. Everybody, welcome. Jerome, good to see you. Thanks for joining us. Hey, well, thanks, man. Looking forward to our time together this morning. Same here. Are you in California? No, I'm actually in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Okay. So it's up in the Rocky Mountains. Oh, beautiful. (laughs) I love Colorado Springs. So it is early there, but not, oh my God, early. (laughs) <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, it's six o'clock here, but it's uh, it's a good time to start our day. Good Boy, time to have a conversation. That. So what are you grateful for, Jerome? Well, I, I I think that's a great question, a great way to start today. This is going to sound a little bit odd, but just uh, four or five days ago, we had a foot of snow here in Colorado. Wow. So we've had a pretty dry April and May, which we've already had some wildfires. And so the fact that we got a foot of snow and several days of rain was amazing. And so, yes, I'm grateful for 12 or 12 inches of snow here (laughs) as we approach summer. Not what most people would say. I'm grateful for 12 inches of snow, but I totally get it, especially with the wildfire, wildfires. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So one of the things uh, we're going to talk about being overwhelmed. And from what I understand, you say that leaders and managers and everything actually cause a feeling of overwhelmment or can. Can you share up? Can you talk about that and tell us about, first of all, what causes us to feel overwhelmed and what are we doing to make it work? Yeah. Well, those are great questions, Will. I think one of the realities is, I mean, this overwhelm and burnout and a lot of what we're dealing with in corporate world, business world is a bigger pandemic than COVID could ever dream of being because it's affecting everybody in every sector, on every continent, every type of organization. But the realities are with overwhelm, uh, oftentimes we like to place the blame on the demands of the job. We maybe we want to place the blame on the structure, the strategy, the systems of the organization or the company that we're working with. We, we want to place it on a lot of the external realities, but the truth is, and, and I've been doing this research and doing this type of leadership development, problem solving so that we can be at peak performance throughout our lifetime. It, it comes to the inner realities. And this is where most of the cause is, but it's a hidden cause because we don't know to identify the kind of the root cause of what's really Um, creating the fatigue, that's creating the burnout, that's creating the overwhelm. Sometimes it is the job. Certainly that's, we can't ignore that. Sometimes it is the system, the structure or the strategy within the organization. Can't ignore that. But those are small percentages of the cause of overwhelm. What we have to look at is the lion's share, which which from my experience is about 60% of the cause of overwhelm, burnout, fatigue is really the inner life of the leader. And so when we aren't doing what we should be doing with self-leadership or self-care, that's where we find the biggest opportunity to bring the greatest results 
in, you know, overcoming overwhelm, dominating the sense of burnout that we're experiencing or the, the, you know, just the, the uh, expensive energy that it takes to not just get our jobs done, but even to live our lives. So it comes down to the inner life realities. As, as you were saying that, I was thinking of a manager that I had a boss one time and it was the most stressful, overwhelming job that I have ever had. Mm -hmm. And my boss was a person who was just always going from drama to drama to trauma to trauma, et cetera, et cetera. And we had a saying, you know, when in danger or in doubt, run in circles, scream and shout. That's kind of what she did. <laughs> so if you've got someone who is leading you, who struggles with that, how right. can we ourselves not let it stick to us, not let it make us feel overwhelmed? Well, so there's a couple of things that we have to look at there. Uh, one of them that I think is the kind of the foundation that we have to begin to look at is how healthy is our mindset? And what I'm talking about there is, let me give you an example. Part of part of the work that I do is take executives and their teams on these adventure experiences, do some leadership development, blah, blah, blah. So I had taken a group of, of business leaders down the Rio Cajabon River in Guatemala. So think Indiana Jones. We stop on the side of the river and I have this uncanny ability to take these quick little power naps throughout the day, six, eight minutes, and I'm golden. Well, I found the side of this river, a pile of lava rocks, and I, my, I lay down on this body or this pile of rocks. My body is contorted. I sleep six to eight minutes. I pop up. I'm, I'm ready to go. And this business executive had over a $100 million company. He came up to me and he just said, Drum up, get anything to sleep for a night, how you just slept there, you know, right here on this uncomfortable, awkward pile of rocks. Well, what he was dealing with was an unhealthy mindset. He did not develop the capacity to turn all the mechanisms off. So he allowed his phone to continue to ping him throughout the night. He allowed, you know, people to continue to reach out to him. Plus, in addition, he was allowing all of his stress, his fears uh, to overwhelm him. And so when you don't have the ability to turn off the inner machine, there's no question you're going to live in that perpetual state of, of overwhelm. So we start with that foundation of an unhealthy mindset. Then we have to look at the unknown motivators and fears, insecurities, inferiorities, uh, those types of things that begin to just bark at us all day long. And most of the times these are under the surface. We're, we're not knowing to identify them. But then the third one is the one that gives us the biggest traction and that's the unresolved issues. And so this one, obviously this isn't a therapy session here and I'm not a therapist, but in my coaching practice, one of the key uh, places where we spend time is dealing with the inner life issues that are unresolved. And so whether that's a, you know, let's say it's a failed marriage or a failed business or in your career pursuits, somebody derailed you or something traumatic, dramatic happened to you when you were a child, like in my situation. And so those are things that are like this roaring lion that we continually try to run from. And we're, we don't even recognize that this lion is what's, what's affecting us. So we think it's our pursuit of success. We think it's our drive for achievement. But in reality, it's a lot of the past voices that keep um, influencing our behavior today. So those, those are three ways to look at it and to start bringing some sense of, of order back into our life. Once again, because they were so rich, healthy mindset is the yeah. first. Is healthy right? mindset. Yeah. Second one is? Known motivators. Known motivators. Yeah. And third is unknown? Well, unresolved issues. So unresolved you can look issue. at it as unhealthy mindset. So the way you fix an unhealthy mindset is with a healthy mindset. Then mm -hmm. the unknown motivators drive us into the ground. So then we have to go from unknown to known. And then unresolved issues continue to drive us. And so that's where we go from unresolved to resolved issues.
right? So it's just removing the un from them to create the solution that we need. Got it. Well, what what is the, if you were to say, here is a person with a healthy mindset, what characteristics would they demonstrate? Oh, that's perfect. Well, so a person with a healthy mindset is going to be very intentional about what they're allowing their brain to focus on throughout the day. So here on my desk, I try to keep a fairly clean uh, work environment because I am a person inclined to distractions. I like shiny objects. I like, you know, the squirrel syndrome. So it's very important that you create the environment where you minimize distractions uh, in your environment at work or at home. And then also you're eliminating or minimizing the distractions that you would face throughout the day. So that comes to structure in your workday. That comes to structure in your schedule. That comes to very disciplined um, strategies as you plan and as you work. Uh, time blocking that comes to starting your day early in the morning where you are choosing to be very intentional. For example, Will, you called me at 5 a.m. my time this morning. I was already uh, thinking through my day and that was just what I call the starting line. So it wasn't just prepping for our time together. It was me prepping for the entire day. I've got a big event uh, in two days. I've got a big test. I'm a, I'm a glider pilot. I've got a test coming in 10 days that is a big test. So I'm already mentally intentionally preparing for that. And so that's, I think, a, a key practice there is what are we doing with our mind to make our mindset healthy? And it comes to very intentional practices that we implement throughout our day. I love this concept of the starting line. Yeah. Most people, I think, get up poised to react to yeah. whatever happens to them during the day as opposed to planning and thinking. And there are always going to be things that pop up, you know, mm -hmm. And it's not like we're able to uh, figure out everything that might happen, but it's more importantly to figure out the direction in which we want to go. Is, it, is that correct? Oh, yeah, 100%. So you're, what you're doing is you're being intentional about what you are going to or how you're going to approach the day. So here's, here's the thing. This is why a lot of people wake up reactive. Look at, look at my phone. I haven't even looked at it yet. Look at all of the notifiers that I have on it already. Well, when we start our day this way, all, we've already counteracted what we should be doing for a healthy mindset. So this becomes a fatigue inducer instead of an energy infuser. So when we start our day with the starting line concept, that is infusing energy into our mind, our heart, our body, our soul, our spirit, so that we are engaged, we're ready for whatever we might face today. And, and you're right, Will, we can predict as much as we can. But the truth is, life is not uh, that static. Life is way too uh, dynamic. So that's why we have to create that state of mind that starts the first of the day so that whatever does come for the day, we're not reacting, we're responding, we're leading effectively, and we're living fully. My guest again is Jerome Wade. You can find him at JeromeWade.com. We're talking about being overwhelmed, feeling overwhelmed. So I'd like you to say more about this uh, concept of known motivators. So in other yeah. words, would I sit down and look at what my known motivators are? In other words, those that I know. And if so, is there a process of evaluating whether or not they are helpful or harmful? Well, actually, sure. Uh, so known, vaders, uh, known motivators or unknown motivators for me happened a number of years ago. And this is when I first started coming kind of to, uh, to a place of awareness I was leading a very effective, large nonprofit organization that I founded. It had global impact. I was also leading a for-profit construction company. So I had a lot of demand on my life. I had a lot of responsibilities. I had a lot of things going on. 
Um, but I was about to take a 21 day kayak down the Grand Canyon, the, the Colorado River. And these known motivators, uh, unknown motivators started showing up by creating these, this anxiety for the river. So what happened was months before we were scheduled to take off, um, we, the Colorado River and Colorado itself started experiencing lots of snowfall, lots of rain. So it was high water year. So this was considered flood stage for the Grand Canyon. I started anticipating the demands of the flood stage. I started to, to anticipating twice the water level that it normally runs at. And that created pre uh, kind of a anticipatory anxiety for me. So when I got on the river, I had already uh, overwhelmed myself before we even began the ex expedition. So those you have to go from that place of unknown motivators to knowing them. So you take a minute, just like resolving your issues, is you have to identify them. Take a moment to reflect, to think about now one practice of doing this and helping you articulate them and helping you understand them, helping you clearly identify them is to do some journaling where you're just, you know, expressing your thoughts, your feelings, your fears, your insecurities, your inferiorities, because those unknown motivators are not that hard to identify when you simply take the time to understand what it is that's actually influencing your behavior. So if there's a business person that's watching right now and they keep driving and driving and driving, well, on one side of the coin, they're going to tell you this. Well, they're going to say, that's because I'm an, a high achiever. I love high achievers. That's, that's primarily who I work with. People who are elite producers, high achievers, they like staying at the top of their game. They want to continue this and sustain it. But we justify so much. And in reality, while there is a one side of the coin where we want to be high achievers, so we're driven to win, there's the other side of the coin that we may not be aware of, and that's the, those unknown motivators, right? That's that unresolved issues. That's that unhealthy mindset that keeps pushing us, keeps driving us. We think it's altruistic, but in reality, there's this inner drive that has to be resolved. So that business owner continues to drive and, and drive their team into the ground, just like I did with good intentions, but unknowing what's really driving that. And that creates uh, a lot of drama and potential trauma, not only for yourself, for your life, potentially for your customers or clients, and then also for the people that are working with you or working for you. I love that you touched on journaling. I've said many times for myself, I call it stabbing my problems with a pen because Beautiful. I'll have everything swirling through my head. But if I sit down at first, it seems like I'm just, I've got a million issues or challenges, but then I sit down and write them out and I realize not only do I not have so many, but as you say, my motivations for them, that's, that's key. The unknown yeah. motivation. Well, <laughs> I think, you know, thinking of the idea of the Jahari window that we all have four parts of our lives and there's a part of us that we can't see. That's that unresolved issues. How do we begin short of, you know, therapy, which I think is a great thing and has made a big difference in my life. Is there a way for us to begin yeah. to explore our own unresolved issues and address them in a healthy way? Yeah, absolutely. This happened for me again, about 12 years ago. This was when I was at the top of pinnacle of success and in my world as, as my world would define it. Um, but while I was at the top of my game, I, I found myself at the end of my rope. I, I drove myself into the ground. I got what I wanted but I really was putting at risk everything that mattered. And I came across a book by uh, a man by the name of Bill George called True North. He walked people through a process there and it was kind of what he described it as a lifetime timeline. 
And so if you take a look at your life story, right, from beginning to end, and you go from your birth and you begin to, uh, you know, draw that line out and all of the positive experiences you had in your life, put that above the line. And depending on how amazing they were, give them some intensity by making that line to the top longer or higher. If they had little influence, just make it a small line. And then the negative experiences, bad experiences in your life, put those below the line. And the same thing, if they were intensely difficult or traumatic or dramatic, you want to put some significant length to those lines. And what that does is now you can go through your lifetime timeline and identify the highest points and the lowest points of your life. And so for me, this was the, the thing that was unknown and it was the thing that was unresolved. And that was that I was a child of adoption. Now, I was adopted by an amazing family. By the Wade family was a, a wonderful family. My, my adopted father became my best friend until he died a number of years ago. Had, you know, got moved into a family that had three older sisters for me. It was great. Um, but the day of my adoption, best day of my life, worst day of my life. Because the way my soul interpreted that moment was rejection, abandonment, and somebody leaving me at the door. Now, that didn't happen on any level, but that's how my soul interpreted it. So you have to come to that place of identifying the positive and the negative experiences of life. Now, well, one thing I want to make clear here is that when you go through like this process here that I'm talking about, it, it's a simple process. It does take a little bit of thought to do it, though, because you want to highlight everything you can but you, you don't want to relive the pain or resurrect the pain of your past. But we don't want to just skip past it, right? So we want to identify it. For example, that person that went through that unexpected divorce and maybe they were married for decades and then their spouse decided they wanted to go a different direction. That's a, that's a traumatic expense, it, uh, experience and it's painful and it's hurtful and it, there's so much that's to that. Or it could be somebody as, that had the trauma of losing a child and, and it's devastating. So we don't want to relive or re resurrect the pain of it, but we want to identify it. Because when we can identify those markers throughout our lifetime, that's whenever we can reconcile them. And, and Will, this is going to sound so simple. It really is. It still has some complexities to it. But there's five words in resolving those issues. And it's, 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 there, it's kind of cliche, but at the same time, they're powerful. And it's these words, let it go, move on. Those five words. In my opinion, the most powerful words we can embrace to deal with what's in the rearview mirror of our past, we've got to just let it go. We've got to move on. We've all got those moments where either we caused them or somebody else caused them or like what just happened over the last couple of years with COVID, just the world happened, right? Stuff out completely outside of our control happened. So we wanted to detach ourselves from creating meaning that is destructive and reattach ourselves to creating meaning that is productive. And so those are the, the principles here that I think are so important for us when we walk through this process and we I identify what it is that we need to do. But, but letting it go, moving on is one of the most powerful gifts you can give yourself. You know, and it truly is a gift because as you were saying that, I'm thrice divorced. I had a a uh, hard childhood, et cetera. And I know that there is this often compulsion to keep thinking about it as mm -hmm. if you can, as Wayne Dyer said, you can go into, if you think about it enough, you can go into rewind mm -hmm. <laughs> and go back and fix it. Yeah. And you ultimately cannot, you simply have to accept that what transpired trips transpired and let it go and move on. Not an easy thing to do. When you talk about the high points and the low points and the yeah. high points, um, 
Do you find, and if so, why, <laughs> that some people just seem to go from high point to low point, high point to low point, having that, that bouncing around personality or proclivity? Well, if that is happening, it's simply because they haven't resolved uh, kind of the inner, the inner game right there, right? It's still coming back to that inner life, the mind, the heart, the soul. Um, you, to prevent yourself from kind of doing that yo-yo or the roller coaster effect, you, that's where reconciling this is so important that, listen, I, I can't fix anything of the past, right? I can learn from it. I can leverage it. And I can create a better story for my future. And just last night, my wife and I were out in the hot tub. We got a beautiful hot tub in the pine trees here in the mountains. And uh, we were talking about, you know, some decisions that probably could have been better decisions in our past. And, uh, you know, but one of the things my wife said, she said, regret is such a wasted energy in our life. And that's the truth. It's such a wasted moment. So we don't want to go back and rewind or relive or even introduce ourselves to regret because it's not helpful. So to prevent that yo-yo or the roller coaster, it's reconciling it. So then what I like to go from reconciling it to redeeming it. And the way we redeem even the high points of our life and the low points of our life, we redeem that by creating a better story. And the best story that we can tell with our life is how we impact and influence the people that we share our life with. I love that. Redemption comes from the stories that we tell ourselves. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't you agree or that... Um, our own private hell also comes from our stories. In other words, it all comes back to that, how you communicate to yourself. And so how do we begin to have that positive communication with ourselves if we've always had the negative? I think yeah. of a potter's wheel and you're kicking it. It yeah. gets going and then it's got such a strong momentum. It's hard to get it going in the other direction. What would you recommend? This, again, is going to sound... Uh, simple on the surface, but there are some complexities to it, but you just have to decide. I, I was coaching a client just the other day and dealing with some substance issues in their life. That's how they dealt with stress was, you know, how they medicated through alcohol. And, and I said, at some point, you're going to have to make a decision that you want a better life and that alcohol is not going to be your prison. Um, because I think we can be help. We can have a healthy use of alcohol, a nice glass of wine, a drink here with friends, whatever, but for them, they had not made the decision. So they're still reeling in regret and reeling in the shame that their alcoholism had created for them. But it comes down to that decision to you have to be the one that cuts the chains that have ensnared you. You have to be one that forces the prison door open in your life. You can go to counseling, therapy, support groups and all of that. And none of it will have an impact unless you choose to be the one to set yourself free. So that's where that principle comes. That's where the freedom comes is when you choose, you make decisions consistent with the future that you want to create. Unfortunately, when we have a challenge in our lives, uh, many people who know me know that I've lost a hundred pounds in high school. When you're in that situation or when you're drinking a lot, there's so much guilt and shame attached to it that it also drives the negative behavior. I would imagine it's it's when you said, do you want a better life? I think we all want a better life. The challenge is we're not necessarily acting right. <laughs> in the way that we want to, to have a better life. Well, you, in your uh, information that uh, you sent me, you said there's one thing. Yeah that people can do immediately will yeah. get the biggest results. What is that? Uh, awesome. Great way to bring our program to a close here, Will. The one thing is this. 
you have to choose to design and create the life that you truly want. And we can all talk about the life that we want. And, and most of the time what happens is it becomes a very general statement. This is where you get immediate results. This is where you get very specific results. This is how you can control the future of your life. And that is getting very specific, explicit, precise with the life that you want. So a person that is general is going to say, well, I, I want to, I want to be healthy. I think all of us would agree. Yeah, that's good, but it's way too general. Uh, I want to have fun. Well, of course we all want to have fun, but it's way too general. Um, we can describe some other things, but we want to get very specific and very explicit about the life that we want to create. So a number of years ago, when my wife and I were making decisions on creating the, the future that we wanted, by the way, we've been, this summer, we'll be married 32 years. We just planned our 32 year anniversary in Columbia. So we're excited about that, but we're very ex specific, explicit, and precise about the future we wanted. Well, it included, our future included sailing. Our future included a home in the Rocky Mountains. Our future included uh, proximity to our children. Our future included a very specific business, which now is the business I have. Uh, so we got very explicit and very precise about the future we wanted. And now we're living the manifestation of what it was that we actually wanted. But it has happened because being explicit, specific, and precise with what we want. So give yourself permission to dream the most audacious, bold, courageous dream you can imagine for the life that you want and get specific about the details of it. Don't be general about those. Be very specific. They're subject to change as you move forward in the development of the life that you want. But be specific because once you set the intention, you bring that with expectation and then you take action consistent with what you have set in place. That's where you begin to see immediate and lasting results. I think it's wonderful. And what I think most people miss, myself included for many years, is that that is not a neutral thing. In other words... Wow. Your worries, your fears, and your emotions are every bit programming for your future as you're sitting down and saying, this is what I want. When you say, this is what, what I fear, you know, there's a quote in the Hebrew Bible, that which I feared has befallen me. Mm -hmm. And it seems that we forget or we miss how powerful we are in creating our own lives. Yeah. Yeah, I agree completely. And that's, that's what I want people to understand is that you can create you can control the future of your life. Now, obviously there's things we can't control, but what we really can control is how we look at it, what we're pursuing, what we're giving our life to, what we're allowing our heart to attach itself to, and the expectation of belief that yes, I can and I will achieve the future of my dreams. What we are allowing our heart to attach to. I like that. Everybody, I want to remind you, check out Jerome Wade. His, his URL is jeromewade.com. And this is your opportunity to like, comment, and share. That's how we build this positive online community. Well, Jerome, where are you headed next? Have you got a speaking engagement coming up? Yeah, I do. I just got back from the Dominican Republic uh, two days ago. Uh, my next is in Tampa. And then after that is in Cancun, Mexico for an incentive event there. So I've got a, got a lot of exciting global adventures coming. Gosh, that's awesome. Well, you have to let me know when you're in Tampa because the woman I'm dating is in St. Pete and I'm up there. It's just an hour, less than an hour. Oh yeah. So let me know when you're there and maybe we can connect. I'd love to. One of the things I like about living in Florida, all speakers eventually make it down here. <laughs> for sure. Hey, I'm there on uh, June 6th. 
So I arrive late night, the 5th, and then there June 6th. Uh, I leave on June 6th to go to Birmingham, Alabama <laughs> to, to speak. Well, hopefully we'll get to see each other somewhere or be on the stage uh, together someday. That would be wonderful. I would love that. Well, everyone, be sure and check out uh, jeromewade.com forward slash yes to get the assessment. And also remember our song of the day is Don't Worry by Frank Turner. No more, no more complaining people. Their lives are changing. We're flying high, creating a complaint-free world. No more, no more complaining people. Their lives are changing. We're flying